you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. What say Richard Ellen Murdoch? Are you guilty or not guilty of the felonies wherein you stand and die? Not guilty. How shall you be tried? By God and my country. The exact time when Paul and Maggie Murdoch were murdered. At the end of the investigation, it was obvious. I'm not here to work with them, okay? And the whole point is to have this not fall into the wrong hands. This case is unique, it's unprecedented in South Carolina history. exactly how it ended, Mr. Ward, I was so mad. I mean, I'd loved the guy for so long, and I probably still loved him a little bit, but I was so mad. And I don't remember how it ended. I left. That voice you just heard was Chris Wilson, an old buddy of Alec Murdoch, who had to take the stand today for the state He's also an attorney in South Carolina. I'm Ann Emerson. I am uh, here with our exclusive legal analyst, South Carolina's former Attorney General Charlie Condon. I'm here with our executive producer of the podcast, Drew, Drew Tripp, and the master of controls back here, Maxwell Harrison, yes. our chief photographer. Um, we had a lot happen today, and it was um, it was something that 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 some of us haven't seen in a courtroom before mm -hmm. but there's obviously so much to to unpack both in with the jury and without a lot of stuff hadn't been sort of settled yet can yes, you tell yes, us what's yes. going on yeah let me if i could set the stage maybe procedurally because uh, that clip of attorney wilson he was testifying what's called in camera and so what's <laughs> going on right now is that the state of south carolina wants to introduce evidence and there's a great tara from her reporting duties. That's Tara, right. Tara's that's right. In. When you when you hear the door right, open around I, what is it seven twenty five, we've got Tara Javor and Maxwell Harrison walking tonight. in at the same time. But go ahead, Charlie. Talk and to it, us yeah, about and, what. And, and to the point, what I was trying to to make, and just so people would understand what's happening, is the state of South Carolina is trying to in introduce evidence of other crimes for which the defendant's not on trial, and normally that's. Verboten, you can't do it. But there are exceptions to that, and there are several exceptions that are that are being debated. And by the way, we have really good lawyers, in my opinion, on both sides. A really good judge. There are going to be some fascinating legal arguments to meet. Some might find them boring, but there are going to be some really good arguments tomorrow morning at 9:30. But what's what's going on is the judge first says, "All right, let me hear in camera, meaning outside the presence of the jury, what you have, because I have to." establish that you meet the evidentiary standard if it is admissible and he signaled to me quite clearly he's going to allow almost all of this in i believe if if if, if not most of it and we're talking about all this financial fraud uh, from allegations the bank, uh, from the law firm from the relative to the boat wreck there's just <laughs> got it 
Yeah, the states, though, though, made it very clear. They're not trying to prove 99 financial crimes, but they want to put in evidence of this because they do believe that this case is one of, of financial white-collar crime turning into blood-red, if you will, crimes. The, the, the financial crimes are leading to the violent crimes that he's accused of committing. So anyhow, we're having these, these, this hearing in camera outside the president's jury so the judge could establish that it's clear and convincing evidence. That's the standard. And I thought he very cleverly, at the end of the day, said, I don't need to really hear everyone testify as to every bit of evidence. I'm satisfied. He made specific rulings. He was satisfied about law firm theft. Mm-hmm. The glorious Satterfield, he's going to be satisfied with the confession and judgment. He sped things up. So I think we're going to have arguments tomorrow, but two hours at most of all this inclusive in-camera testimony. Attorney Tinsley can't be there tomorrow, so I think he's going to testify Monday. But my expectation is... For the boat case. You're talking about the boat case. My expectation is the in-camera is going to end, and we'll get the good live testimony at, at 1130. So that's where we are procedurally. Well, that's that's fantastic, Charlie. It really helps us a lot to understand what's going on because when when I was sort of looking at it from a layman's perspective, it was like a trial within a trial. We have a jury for part of it, and we're going to talk about the part that the jury actually listened to today, which was not a whole lot. No, it was quick. It was not a whole lot. Mm-hmm. It was, and it was also fragmented. Mm-hmm. I noticed during the day. So there was a part with the jury. There was a part without the jury. And so let's talk about the one of the first things the jury actually heard. Um, before they went into this in-camera testimony. New word for me. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So um, there was a Snapchat representative. And uh, Drew, why, why do you think that they brought in a Snapchat representative? Uh, it, it's curing, I think, is the term for it. But Charlie can... It, Charlie can give better explanation of that, but you've got to, you've got to get, you've got to, it's, they, they've got to not only tell you what time it is, they've also got to tell you how to make the watch to, to, a, to, right. to, to authenticate, an extent, right. That's right. With, mm-hmm. um, with, with their witnesses. And they've just got to bring someone in mm-hmm. to say, yeah, this video that you see here was posted on Snapchat and it was posted at X time and, uh, on Y date. And it, it's just part of it just has to happen yeah. so her Heidi Galore um, was our was the woman who came in for oh, that the was snap, her name. I, I Heidi Galore yeah. um, came in for as a snapchat representative and she uh, basically told us what time this video was taken and we've seen this video this is the video of Alec Murdoch with Paul Murdoch out on the farm Moselle um, trying to get a tree to be standing back up. But the, the thing that's so important about this is the timeline that it sets, which is that she could confirm that that, that was, video was actually taken at 7.38 p.m. on June 7th, the night of the double wow. murders. Wow. Within wow. Um, well, and he's about an hour and, an hour and mean, 11 minutes before To me, murder. that was uh, right. really strong circumstantial evidence because he was wearing what I would describe out there on the farm, business casual, right? He right. had on nice long pants and a nice shirt and nice casual shoes. It's not the sort of farm wear you might have expected if he was out there sort of working around. Well, and he wasn't wearing the white T-shirt and green khaki right. so shorts. So where did the clothing go, right? That's the states. I mean, they, That's a huge question. And, and it's a short time frame. Haven't had, and the state has yet to address those clothes, yet to even bring them up. Uh, mm-hmm. But they, they brought them up. To, it was brought up today with another witness we mm-hmm. heard from, Katie McAllister, a sled agent, who uh, came and said she searched the house 
uh, with 25, 20 to 25 people there, by the way, who were not the victims or not law enforcement agents. They were friends and family at the Moselle house uh, the day of, the day after this. Day after, in the afternoon, right? Yeah. Was that the time frame? Uh, Mid-morning, a- mm-hmm. afternoon. Uh, I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but she apparently searched the house with John Marvin Murdoch and mm-hmm. uh, attorney um, Danny Henderson in tow and went room to room, didn't find any guns, didn't find any evidence huh. of bloody clothes, didn't find anything like that. Says so she looked in the bathtubs, uh, didn't... Couldn't find it. You couldn't find any evidence of blood where anybody had, to, to the naked eye, evidence of blood where anybody had tried to uh, rinse themselves off or wash off. Uh, I thought Dick Harputlian seized on that. Uh, and he's like, you know, you can do forensic testing on things like showers mm-hmm. and look for trace evidence of blood. That's what your, luminol is, right? Yeah, to your evidence, or to you knowledge, did anybody mm-hmm. ever do that? And I think she answered no. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, Mm-hmm. True. Yeah, and that's that. That's what he's well, trying to do. Uh, I mean, he's there. The defense is trying mm-hmm. to poke, poke holes, holes. Mm-hmm. and that was that was effective. I thought. Well, so there was another part that the jury was in for, and we want to we want to explain that as well because that's going to play a role in this. We think um, mm-hmm. Dylan Hightower was there. Mm-hmm. Um, he was coming out of one of our uh, uh, the 14th Circuit. Yeah, he's a Criminal investigator, class one officer, 14th Judicial Circuit investigator. And they had the case initially. They weren't recused, as I understand, at that point. It was right. it was a local prosecutor's case. Even though, I think we need to point this out, not here to, I have a lot of respect for Duffy Stone, I think he's terrific. But at that point in time, correct me if I'm wrong, that's why I think they all thought that he was a victim and not a suspect, really. But at that point in time, the defendant was a volunteer assistant sister for him, right? Right. Yeah. He was a volunteer prosecutor, for sure. Mm-hmm. And so he w- had been working in the 14th Circuit in that, you know, Dylan Hightower came in and was actually ended up being the person who was able to take Maggie's phone, look at look at Maggie's phone after she was murdered. And No, I'm sorry. It was Alex's phone. It was Alex. She, right. th- he was looking at both of the phones, but Alex's phone is the one that was the, was the big concern. There were deleted calls off of that phone. How many phone calls were deleted? Did you see? I, if I remember correctly, I heard seventy-three. That's what I heard I, too. I believe we had the soundbite pulled up, Max. If you're ready to. What is it on? From the extraction or from the actual device to the phone logs that I saw on the call detail records provided from Verizon, on the date in question on June seventh, I only. Uh, saw two FaceTime calls on the phone extraction, and I saw a series of around 73 phone calls on the Verizon uh, call detail record. Okay. And um, what did that tell you when you saw that, uh, that missing information? Uh, it could be a multitude of things. Um, they were either removed by the user or the, the one responsible for using the device. Um, it could have overlapped from the call log history. Uh, it could have been a series of things. Okay, so that was what Dylan Hightower was talking about. He was talking specifically about Alec Murdoch's phone. There was this question earlier in testimony over the past couple of days about missing calls, that it was very strange that between May 30th and June 7th that there were just a few FaceTime calls that had been recorded. And now we're learning because of Verizon records, there were 73 calls deleted uh, during that period. 
Right. We don't know. They kind of left that for us, right? Well, yeah, kind of a cliffhanger yeah, once were, again. Yeah, and there were two explanations. One was active deletion by the user. Right. And the other explanation was if you have a lot of calls, apparently, as I understand what he was testifying to, is that the calls themselves, that, that recordation of that could be erased by by other means but it looked suspicious it did well it was you know he was saying i think if a bunch of calls, bunch of calls were coming in, in it, it, it could fall off. delete some it would fall off fall but off let's put ourselves in the shoes of jurors here um the reasonable doubt right. how many you can pull up your phone right now and yes it's true that after a certain amount of time certain amount of certain number of calls certain number of years your phone call mm -hmm. log will just automatically start deleting from mm -hmm. the back right it doesn't wipe all of itself out for <laughs> and start from the top when, right. when that happens. So a, a reasonable doubt. What's the, what's the more plausible explanation? Yeah, and that, good that point. being that they good were point. manually deleted, which we heard the uh, the forensic expert te right. testify to yesterday. It's yeah. like the most logical solution here is that those phone calls were manually deleted, and why were they manually yeah, deleted? Yeah, yeah. You know, hold that thought. One thing that just occurred to me too: what might have been happening with Sister Stone too at that point in time, as I recall, the sheriff of Colton called in sled, and so he recused local law enforcement. Right. So SLED's coming in. So Solicitor Stone and his investigator may have thought, well, I'll just simply assist SLED, who's a statewide agency. Oh, sure. And that would handle any sort of appearance of conflict or actual conflict. Um, but it wasn't until months later, right, until the Attorney General was... It was uh, August 11th was when uh, the letter went, um, from what I remember, um, that Duffy Stone sent it to A.G. Wilson I and see. said we I need see. to... But it wouldn't make sense. You're trying to help out, and you've got SLED coming in, a statewide agency. That could cover the appearance of conflict, actual conflict. So I, I think that makes lots of sense on an emergency basis because you've got a major crime happening in sure. your circuit, and you want to do the best job possible for your citizens. So yeah. we don't... We had yet to get inklings into why... What was the shoot-a-drop that got Duffy Stone to recuse himself and recuse his office? And we've gotten a little bit more of that, I think, uh, through this trial. I believe that's when that third... That's around that time that third interview would have occurred with Al Alec Murdoch. Uh, uh, and by that point, they would have had the phones unlocked, mm -hmm. done the initial uh, unlocking. Mm -hmm. Um not Paul's. We right, know that took, say, that that took a Paul's. long time to get Paul's. But um, yeah, I, maybe that lends a little bit more insight. To, and I think what it ended up coming down to was, was Duffy's explanation for his office was it wasn't abundantly clear to begin with that Alec was a suspect and that we needed to recuse ourselves. And there's been a lot of back and forth on that. You could, I, I think there's valid arguments all around us. They should have backed off from the beginning right. uh, and cut ties from the beginning. But it, it, at the same time, they didn't. We're there. We, th that happened. They didn't. I, talking more about Dylan Hightower, uh, just to give some of his bona fides, uh, his credentials. I, it, he said in court, you know, it's not uncommon for me as the lead of the criminal investigation unit for the mm -hmm. 14th Circuit to go to murder scenes. Mm -hmm. And I, I know in other court cases I've covered, Dylan has been there, and he specifically has testified about what he testified today. Mm -hmm. He is specializes. He can he can extract phone data like we not to the extent mm -hmm. that 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 sled expert forensic expert did, and we we discussed in depth over the last two days prior to this. But Dylan has, Dylan Hightower has the ability to 
extract that phone data and he is a specialist in phone cell tower history and location via triangulation mm. of cell phone yeah. towers yeah your phone signal bounces right. off right. towers and right. they can yeah. pretty closely yeah. they needed him yeah yes. they needed him there, they needed him his, there. that was his job and one thing we didn't also discuss uh, so he was the specialist he was the local specialist for being able to track down somebody's call history and be able to fast track a call history from Verizon uh, so to speak, uh, and compare compare notes on what's on the phone versus what's on the because you can't delete what's what Verizon has. Um, the other thing that we didn't really discuss with him is he also is the one who found Maggie's phone, and he did right. so. Uh, this was I don't know if this is going to end up being important or just one of those things where two people just weren't on the same page. Hightower testified he found Maggie's phone. They didn't do anything with it. And they immediately put it into airplane mode and put it into evidence. Then along comes uh, Katie McAllister from SLED right after him and says, no, actually, I was on the phone or no, one of my agents was on the phone with Alec Mur or somebody back at Moselle. And they got the code from Alec Murdoch and I opened the phone with the code and then we put it into evidence mm -hmm. after we put it into airplane mode. So there was a discrepancy there. Mm -hmm. Hightower said nobody opened that phone and they didn't need to because with Ma Maggie's cell phone, the model of iPhone she had, mm -hmm. you can just open it and put it into airplane mode without ever unlocking it. Right. Sure. And then right right after him comes McAllister and says, no, actually I did unlock the phone. Uh, and so that, again, wow. uh, that was a big point they were trying to make. Didn't Are you sure nobody accessed this phone uh, while, after the fact? And I again, I don't know if it'll be a big deal the way... The well, you just want everybody mm -hmm. on the same page when you're actually testifying right you don't right. want to hear from two expert witnesses that were on oh, the scene they weren't expert witnesses or, or witnesses or or mm -hmm. part of the law enforcement yeah witnesses true um let's go to what happened when the jury was out so we mm. had in camera with can I, can I tap out here can yeah. you guys just take over the rest of the show because I <laughs> oh <laughs> why is that <laughs> no I, this was this was taxing. This oh was taxing wow! I found it just so riveting. I, <laughs> I really did. I did. Oh, God. I, oh I, man! I, I can't it. believe that. Well, what do you mean? You had set the scene here. You had the office manager. I mean, the lady uh, who CFO. Uh, yeah, Jeannie Seconder. Uh, yeah, and she was very bright and terrific witness i thought for the state they ran her through just a tremendous amount of financial crimes and he, she's she's confronting alec and he snarled at her right did i hear that i mean well uh, let's play the yeah. let's play the clip now before we do i, I gotta say like so Jeannie seconder this is actually um the morning we think is like late morning something like first that thing, no, first, first yeah. thing in the first, morning she said it was earlier than normal she went up to alex yeah office. you were uh, listening to every last yeah, little I, I, sound bite again i'm not complaining oh right. okay yeah, go yeah. look at my notes from today yeah, in that exactly. live blog yeah. we did I, and this I was, is the day of the murder right yes. this is the day of the murder i mean this come on this is this, wow the, it's not this Boy, are you getting you're getting spoiled in this trial it's this was not a this. great I'll, moment i'll get to my point after we play the sound by genie seconder genie seconder well we'll go ahead and play go ahead came up and said what do you need now? And gave me a very um, dirty look, not a look that I'd ever received from Alec from, just kind of frustrated with me look. Okay, so to set that up, Jeannie Seconder has gone in to talk to Murdoch about missing money, uh, missing fees, and she wants to know what's going on. And 
Alec Murdoch, she says, has always been this incredibly gracious sort mm -hmm. of charming. They've known charming. each other 40 years. They've mm -hmm. known each other since high school. Um, she's worked in this firm for 20 years. She's mm -hmm. worked her way up all mm -hmm. the way to right. CFO. And she's related uh, by a marriage to his banker, right? Of course, yes, that's exactly right. Her sister married Russell Lafitte. Yeah, so. Which is the federal trial that mm -hmm. Drew knows all yeah, about as and well. Yeah, and the defendant's, uh, you know, banker, right? So so this is what's going on. So Jeannie looks at him and, you know, it's, has to confront him. And all of a sudden, she says, he sort of turned on her and snarled. Mm -hmm. And we also have, during this whole thing, that's what I found so riveting, his father's dying, right? Who I knew well, mm -hmm. uh, Randy Murdoch. Right? I called him Randy. People now, I guess, he morphed into Randolph. But he's in the process Handsome. of uh, really being... Ill, right? And so yeah. the meeting's kind of broken up, right, relative to a phone well, call. Exactly. With his, his... Extraordinary timing, isn't yes, it? Yes, I mean... <laughs> you know, you couldn't write this in a mm -hmm. screenplay, could you? Mm -hmm. Like, literally, Jeannie goes to finally kind of works works mm -hmm. up to go in, closes the door, tells Alec, we got a problem. There's money missing. This is the first time he's actually been confronted by his law firm. Yeah. And uh, the phone rings. And it's his. It's about his dad, and his dad's dying. It, he's on his deathbed in yeah. the hospital. And then meeting over. Meeting over and already. Right. And did you catch later in the day that he called her? Remember she testified about that? He called her later in the day asking about his 401k about yep. 4 or 5 o'clock. Yep. Now, that is a phone call, too, that I thought was... Important. Yes. And so Very much. he, you know, the state's theory is that he committed these horrendous murders to take attention off of his misdeeds, financial misdeeds, and to right. push things off. And, you know, if you step back from this, I know that I've felt that he was, when I heard about it, I felt that he was a victim. I'm sure the local officials did. Sure. Uh, I'm certain Solicitor Stone's office and his investigators did. You wouldn't, I mean, they weren't, they weren't thinking the unthinkable, that he no. would, would kill his family. I don't think. And it, it made sense. A, it makes sense to me. Yeah. Right? So that's why the state's trying so hard right. in, to get in evidence to explain and I don't know how to put this uh, as pol politely, but, you know, we know it's relatively, unfortunately, it's not unheard of for a husband to kill a wife. I mean, that's, yeah. that, that, that is not something. But for a, for a father who's got a great relationship with a son to murder his own son. So I, I do think the state difficult. needs to put into some sort of understanding in human nature how you could get to this point. That's why I think they're trying really hard to, mm -hmm. to understand the, the whole world of, of, of Alec Murdoch the caving pressures. in. It's like a 10-year period of time, and this isn't just one isolated act. It isn't because he's being confronted by missing 192,000 or whatever the figure mm -hmm. was or uh, 792. It's this entire other world. Li uh, he's living a life that is not known to others. Of course, he's thrown in some opioid addiction, and but the financials are so important to the state. Well, and in this, and just to be very clear for everyone who did not watch what we were watching all day, this was part of the in camera, which is what Charlie's talking about. This time when the jury is is taken back to the jury room, it is we're allowed to be in there. Court TV was there, so you were able to see the live stream of what was going on. But um, the jury is not listening to this. They are not privy to this testimony right now of Jeannie Seconder. Chances are, if it's going to go through, we're going to hear it again, right? Yep. Oh, no, what you're going to hear, this is, it's really, it's, I, I used to like 
in Carmel when I was prosecuting because you had a trial run mm-hmm. and you try and do it very quickly so the judge doesn't get mad at you for taking too much time. So you go boom, boom. You notice how you did a lot of leading questions, get right to it. But the, you get in a good rhythm with your witnesses. And I do think the one possible problem you might have, I think for the bank, for the uh, law firm witness, she's she's going to be great. But Chris Wilson had so much emotion yeah. that you, you, I would think he'd want that. But I think he maybe he'll, he'll do it again probably in front of the jury. And so I think we're going to see much more extended um, direct examinations by the state of these witnesses. And so, I, I, again, I was riveted. And Chris Wilson, now that had to be interesting, wouldn't you say, Drew, no? Yes. Okay. L- let, me, let me explain myself is why. I, I, <laughs> okay, good. I'm feeling better about this now. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was taxing to try and because I, I felt very much that I needed to, as I was tracking this, as close to verbatim as possible and as in-depth as oh, possible yeah, with, they, with, oh, wow. with okay. Jeannie Seconder because we had, the, we had the background. We yeah, had yeah. the background to know. Yeah. Jeannie Seconder bro- dropped this bomb three, three months ago, or not three months ago, two months ago in right. the Alec Murdoch, I got the it. Russell Lafitte trial. I got she, it. That's when we first learned about her confronting at Murdoch the morning of the murders. Right. Um, but and that was the federal trial of was, Russell Lafitte. That federal trial was, oh, we have not had so she that. testified. Okay, got we, it. We weren't allowed to, it was much harder to keep up with the, the ins and outs. And we got a much more in-depth of the ins and outs of how it all played out. And it's very, 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 very important to get, I thought, to get Jeannie's full story taken down. Right. And I thought the same with Chris Wilson. Yeah. And after doing that all day. So I think then, we exhausted. I see. Yeah. I see. After, I see. He, he did have mind numbing detail on how all that money. F- and it was it was right to, to your to your point early. It's chaos. Right. I mean, right. He, he creates chaos to the defendant with all his friends and family. And it was duck and dive, mm-hmm. duck and dive. And, and we've heard it over and over again. It's like, oh, yeah, the money's coming in. Oh, you haven't seen the check yet. Oh, mm-hmm. well, where's the check? So we've heard all of these stories about how mm-hmm. Alec used his larger than life personality mm-hmm. to uh play a role in what he's what the state alleges he did on these financial crimes i want to play something from the defense because the defense wasn't quiet today they were oh, no, that's they fair, were they fair were point. they were working very, hard as yeah, well trying to gauge how much they really needed to mm-hmm. to stop um i think that the point that they're trying to get to is is here let's let's hear what Gr- uh, jim griffin had to say about the boat case and when um i think this is uh basically at the beginning of why why he's trying to disconnect this murder trial from the financial fraud and the concern was hiding fees from the civil discovery in the boating case yes at that point in time it was and that wasn't um and that, at that point in time no one was saying They thought he was stealing from the firm, but that we, he was sheltering money from being disclosed. That was the opinion, yes. So he's, he's trying to water it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. He's trying to say, look, things were not that bad for Alec. He had ways right. to deal with this. Why in the world would he try and distract from financial crimes at this point and have this this execution-style brutal mm-hmm. double murder of his of his youngest son and his wife of, of more I mean, than two I, decades. I, I mean, it's, right, right. it's, that's, that's, it is really hard to oh, get it's there. It's hard to, to believe. And I do think that was a really good way to frame it 
for the we're in camera now. This is for the that judge. That was in camera, yeah. And this is for no Judge Newman to say, don't let all this in because it really doesn't make any sense, and it's really right. unfair to my my client for you to do so. I thought that was really effective to try and get Judge Newman to possibly change. I don't think he will, but maybe then to limit his ruling. So we'll know tomorrow. But I think where we're headed with this is he doesn't want the state to spend weeks on this, but he's going to allow them to present evidence of some financial crimes, and we'll see the extent of that tomorrow. And we've got one more clip to play. I want to set it up um, about Chris Wilson, because that was, as you said, incredibly emotional testimony. And this next, let's go ahead and listen to this, this clip with Chris Wilson. Chris Wilson came in to testify once again in camera. Jury is not there. Um, you heard it at the very top of the show, and you're going to hear it at the end. Um, and, and really, this clip uh, is something that I think they really wanted, well, it's what they really wanted the judge to hear, how, how devastating this really was to his personal relationships. I mean, the first thing I ask him is, you know, Alec, what the, what the F or what the H is going on here? You know, what is going on? And have you done something else to me or that involves me that I don't know about? Because I know about this. And I've got to deal with this, but is there something else you've done that I don't know about that I need to, that I need to be concerned with? Tell me where, tell me, tell me how this is going to play a role and what the jury hears. If the, if the jury is allowed to hear Chris Wilson talk. Once again, Chris Wilson, attorney, old friend of Alex and got caught up in some mm -hmm. of these financial fraud allegations. And he looks devastated. Yes, and weeping on the... Yes, I mean, he, he really did show emotion. I expect that we'll see that in front of the jury maybe times too, and we'll see. But, um, well, where we left it was, that was the day of the botch. Really, if you wrote this, it, 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 it's almost getting to the point now. Where I'm hardly hard thinking, am I really hearing all this? But this is the day of the botched assisted suicide. Mm-hmm where he confronts them. I can just see the scene here. It's on his parents' porch, right, in Almeida. Right. He said they had a heart-to-heart -heart and used that language, and then he left. And then he heard later that night, right? Of no, he heard within a couple hours. Yeah, and that, that he, he didn't think it was any sort of thing other than Alex trying to kill himself, literally trying to kill himself, as I understood it. He didn't stop. He didn't stop. He kept driving. Right. That was that was the more powerful thing to me, even than what we just heard right there. Mm -hmm. Is uh, is Chris gets a phone call. He's up the road a little way. He stops to get lunch. He's on the way back to his home in Columbia. He gets a call that Alex has been shot on the side of the road, and he's like, "I'm gonna keep driving." Yeah. Uh -huh. And by the way, this you might find this interesting. I did. But, you know, you had um, Mr. Gunn testify from uh -huh. Forge Consulting, uh, who I. I recognized him. I knew I had to know his dad, and it was his, his dad's terrific person named Eddie Gunn. But anyhow, what point of all that you had, and you had Attorney Wilson testify, but the the law firm, the, the amount of legal talent that's coming into Walterboro, South Carolina. So Pete Strom's firm was basically there representing these folks. Known Pete for years. His dad used to be head of SLED, Picari Seller. So you had these very prominent attorneys come in that are representing people in, the, in all of this. And I just from a legal standpoint, again, we do have, I, I think, the the trial of the century going. And, and the, the supporting cast is uh, very impressive. 
Well, we are going to wrap it up for today because we probably uh, probably need to. We're going to have a lot more tomorrow to, to yes. unpack. And as far as tomorrow goes, what's the one thing that we need to be looking for? Give me... Judges ruling okay. is key. And then we'll launch into, I think, the same type testimony, probably the same witnesses, and it, it, it should be compelling. And will it be in front of the jury? Yeah, oh, yeah, yes. And you'll see a really different approach from the state. Mm -hmm. And I'll be fascinated how the defense approaches this, probably along the lines of, you're not trying to say this all happened because of financial crimes, are you? Something along those lines. Sure. And they'll keep going. Well, I'm Ann Emerson, Charlie Condon, Drew Trett, Max Harrison. Drew, do you have something to say? I don't want to. I don't want to leave you out. I'm sorry. He, he looked at me and he kind of. You can't see him, of course. He's the voice of God over here. But he, he looks. He looks at me and kind of puts his arm out like, stop. I, Go ahead. I, I just the 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 visual, the the comparison, the metaphor of a heavyweight fight that I'm that it, that is coming more into focus for me between Jim Griffin and Creighton Waters. And that's the that's the one thing I think more mm -hmm. than anything we've noticed the last couple of days. Mm -hmm. This was the Dick Harputlian show for a while and it is when it comes to the legal arguments. That's an, it's, it's an interesting point because I know Jim's sort of taken over the Jim has and this is to, my, to go full circle on my point where it got really taxing to me today is we kept hearing the same thing over and over again and it was Jim Griffin and Creighton Waters throwing the same haymaker punches <laughs> over and over again, and right. we made no headway. Yeah. We yeah. made no headway, and that the point being how implausible and absurd it is to make the leap from financial troubles to double murder of your wife and son, mm -hmm. and Creighton Waters' point of it, there, it is all connected. It is all connected, and I can show you it's all connected. And we... And by the way, to complete your thought, I think we have a heav heavyweight judge. I just... Judge Newman, his, the way he I mean, will have these intense legal arguments, and he'll say in just this wonderful voice, sustained, overruled. His demeanor is just fantastic. It really is. It really is. It's going to be, it's going to go down as, as one of the most even kill judges we've seen under this kind of pressure. Well, back to saying goodbye. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks so much. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.